Hi everyone, I'm so glad that you're with me today in this conversation. I think the most beautiful thing about life is showing up with genuine curiosity and openness that it leaves room for possibility and opportunity. And that can feel like such a gift. As humans, we white knuckle so many of life's circumstances thinking that we're in full control when really there is divine flow that we can't always see, but rather we feel when we learn to quiet our mind. In this space, life can intersect with divine timing and you just never know what connections and synchronicities can be experienced. It felt like such a gift to cross paths with Lauren Rodriguez. She's a parent coach that serves the atypical community, a mother and a beautiful human keenly interested in showing up for all of life and that it comes with. In this conversation, we explore Lauren's coaching journey, her experience as a parent coach in the atypical community and all of the in-between. I loved learning from Lauren and her dedication to what is so resonant in her heart. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. And if you like what you hear, please like, share, and subscribe to High Tide and share it with a friend or a family member. Without further ado, here is our conversation. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited that I get to connect with a fellow mama today. Lauren is a parent coach that serves the atypical community. And a while back, you reached out to me eager to share and cultivate awareness amid the neurodiverse community as well as the Latinx community. This is so great because I have so much curiosity around this area and around your coaching journey, as well as how this has impacted you as a parent, relationally with your family, and just for yourself as a human having this wild ride of an experience. So... I wanted to dive in and I feel like I'm going to learn so much from you. And the first thing I really wanted to know, well, first of all, I'd love to welcome you to the show. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. And a while back when you reached out to me, I so appreciated your willingness to talk about what you do and what it is exactly that you do. And I'd love to know how this came up for you in your life. Absolutely. So... I'm a mother. I just want to start there. So I'm a single mom of two. My oldest, my son, he's 13 years old. He was diagnosed with autism at the age of three. So that's been a very long journey of acceptance of mom guilt. In the last three to four years, I really just became awakened of the fact like that it needs awareness. There needs acceptance behind that. And I actually switched careers three to four years ago. And I became a behavioral therapist working with children one-on-one just because I had a passion for that. And I know that was uh, such a a big decision to make, but I, I made the decision. And after that, I decided to become a life coach. I did not know then that I wanted to, to serve this community. I just know I wanted to help others, more particularly women and moms, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm a big advocate when it comes to mental health, mindfulness, self-care. And one day during my meditation, something came up to me and just said, serve the atypical community, the moms with neurodivergent children. It was like an intuition that just spoke to me. Mm. And then a typical lady started <laughs> nearly two years ago, which is my Instagram, atypical ladies. and. Since then, I just, it just flowed very naturally. I just started talking to moms, the parents that I used to work with, the kids that I used to serve one-on-one. I also noticed like they also need the help. You know, there is a sense of guilt when you have a child with special needs. Also, you need to take care of yourself. You know, we are more valuable to our children when we're whole and safe. That's what led me to where I am now. So it's been a journey, you know, it's just been really flowing very naturally and This is where I am now. (laughs) You said so many great things that I could resonate there. One was mom guilt. That's something that I feel like as nurturers, natural caregivers, it's like the moment you feel any sense of struggle or notice any sense of struggle within your child, there's this blame, this proclivity to just blame yourself. And it's so... It's so silly. Like, but yet I, it's a switch. I feel like as a mom, you don't really know how to turn off. And then you mentioned also, how do we take care of ourselves? Because so much of the care we can provide for our loved ones is when our cup is full, not when we're already depleted. And yet again, as mothers and natural nurturers and caregivers, I think it's so hard to just say like, okay, well, like tune that back into yourself. What are some ways that you've noticed being inspired by what you've explored in this arena 
that you can offer up in the way of self-care and dealing with mom guilt. Because I know as, as a mother, that is something that we face all the time. Yes. Mom guilt is very real. You know, it's not like you said, it's not just mothers who have children with special needs. It's all moms. And I think one of the things that I've learned through my experience working with moms and within myself is just being proactive and also incorporating self-care on a daily basis and modeling that for your child. There's so many activities you can do at home, mindful practices that will allow you to take care of yourself and your child at the same time. For my children, I like to do one-on-one parenting because they're both so different. Each child is different. They each have their love language. So I personally just take time to myself every day. And I also model it to them how important it is for me. A lot of parents and moms, we think that the best way to parent is not being honest with your child. Just, oh, I, I got it. Like, I got it done. Like, it'll be all fine. But you have to be honest with them so they can see you also have emotions. And they're able to understand that. So building a language at home where you have honesty, communication, being proactive, and it'll become a practice and eventually it just becomes so natural that you're being proactive about it. And you'll slowly release that mom guilt (laughs) and just accept and own that we're humans. We are humans. We have our bad days. We will be stressed out. And when you own that honesty and instead of projecting it on your child, because some of us, we do that sometimes, just embrace it and just model that we're humans. And these are the tools that I have to make myself feel better. And if you introduce that to them, they will see that they also need it for themselves because they also have their their days as well as we do, you know? So it's, it's a lot of different things you can combine it with. Yeah, I love that. It's like sometimes true resiliency is actually in the softening of our edges and modeling by example that it's okay to say, hey, I need help or I'm really having a rough day. And I think it's such a big aspect of creating space and meeting people where they're at, whether it's our child or our partners or our friends and just that acceptance, like you said, which is such a powerful thing because it kind of lets everyone off the hook. We can see each other from a more soft perspective instead of judging the experience and just two humans having a moment, really. Yes, you're right. And I love that you said that two humans, because even if they're three, even if they're four, they're they they're humans. They have their days just like we do. Yeah. They have that unique soul print that we're born with. And that's why we all have our personalities and love languages where they have those days too. You know, we don't dictate them. You know, we're not a motherhood and mom journey. It's not ownership of your child. You're really learning with them. And I think it yeah. brings up so much about yourself and I, th- I always say my children really have taught me a lot. They're my grandest teachers, you know? So mm-hmm. that's a great point. I agree with that so much. I, I feel like as parents, you're the one that you think you're like guiding your child to help them grow, but really it's, they're also witnessing your own growth. So there's, there's a very synergistic <laughs> relationship that happens. And I agree with you so much that it's, they're the ones teaching us and guiding us. And you're right. So much has come up for me as a first time mom. I became a mom last February. And it's almost as if everything that you desire for your child or that you hope that they might experience in this lifetime has to come up in you so that you can heal it and know that you can also hold space for your child should this ever come up. And it's just the weirdest, most beautiful expression of unconditional love is learning to love on yourself so that you can also love on your child and know what that feels like. It's wild. Yes, it is. It's oh my God. Yes. I relate 110%. And I became a mom young. I was only 21 when I had my son. Yeah. So me compared to that 21 year olds were completely two different people. And that I had to accept a lot of mom guilt. Like, oh, wow. I wish... I knew then what I knew now, but I I can't think about it that way. This is my journey. This is where I am. I have to accept it. And when you were talking about your experience, it reminded me, you have to parent yourself before you parent your child, Mm -hmm. you know, because things come up and you see things from your childhood. And then you, now you have a child, you know, like, oh, wow. Like, 
this comes up, I have to heal it and take care of it because it's a fragile state. Being a parent, I think, is is different phases of parenting, you know, also different ages. They're here to make us grow. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, I love what you said too about different ages and different stages. Like life is cyclical. It's in seasons and there's so much mirrored back to us in nature and our natural environments. And, you know, as a parent, I can attest to having a near toddler. I'm not even sure what exactly that age stage is, but he's 14 months now and he's like taking steps and he's had his share of meltdowns already. Yeah, And I feel all the triggers come up in me if we're like in a public space. And at the same time, it's about creating safe boundaries around that space. And like, you know, you get the looks from people. It feels like judgment because maybe they're making noise in a space where it's typically not that noisy. And my old self before becoming a mom is just like, you want to ask your child to quiet down. And of course, naturally, we're trying to calm them down. But really, are we just trying to calm ourselves down? Because I feel like Mm -hmm. we get our internal systems get alerted. We're probably judging the experience ourselves. We're worried about what people might be saying in the background. And it's just like, how do you expect your child to internally calm down if you can't manage to do that yourself in the moment? Even if that looks like a pause, a couple of deep breaths, or just meeting your child in the eyes and just bringing that element of safety and feeling trust again and knowing that they're in a safe place. And I think sometimes as moms, we judge ourselves and again, feel the guilt if they have these meltdowns. And yet, aren't those meltdowns sometimes indicative of they just feel the most safe around you? And so they can express what they're suppressing. And sometimes they just have no control over that. I think of my biggest meltdowns when I've expressed myself in front of someone I love and I, you forget it's happening sometimes in the moment when you're spiraling. And yet when you realize the person on the other side is holding space for you, it's, it's such a a gift when you can be all of that you are in that moment and like they can hold that space. Yeah, you're right. That's so true because toddlers do have their meltdowns, especially in public. And I'm glad you mentioned it because all toddlers do that no matter what. And especially a child who's on the spectrum, who has special needs, they internalize and they process things so much differently that they truly have meltdowns where it can be physical. They might throw something, they might hit, they might scream. And I personally know parents or moms that won't even take their child out because they're embarrassed of judgment. Mm. You know, for example, I used to work with a six-year-old. She's non-speaking and she would still use a pacifier, but that was soothing for her. But imagine bring your six-year-old daughter out to a store and she has a pacifier. You're going to have looks no matter what. Mm-hmm. Gonna, why? Why she weren't, you know, but this is the thing is, is just embracing it, owning it. This is your journey. This is your child. Like you said, it's a safe space for them, but it's still hard. You know, you're still going to have your moments. I think the more you own it and have those affirmations for yourself, like my child is safe. This makes my child feel good and just embracing the journey with your child, I think becomes easier. And I mean, and there's different things and tools that you can use to prevent meltdowns, but you also like, you, see, you don't want to suppress your feelings Then they may be feeling that way. We don't even know, you know, or, or they just don't know how to articulate how they feel. So that it's so easy to react negatively, especially for a child and emotion. It's, it's easier to be angry. It's easier to cry, you know? I mean, as adults, we're still learning how, how to self-soothe ourselves. So imagine a, a toddler, they're new to this world. So like, yeah, I'm going to cry and scream and kick, <laughs> you know? So I think those moments are actually the best moments for a learning experience with your child and also within yourself. And like you said, learning how to pause and breathe and just look into their eyes and just know that they're safe. And I think the more you practice that in those moments, it becomes a little easier. You know, it's, it does something that doesn't change overnight, but it's just work and practice and being consistency because it's not an easy journey. But once you implement those little things that really goes a long way, it helps. It definitely helps. For sure. I wanted to ask you more about neurodivergent community and autism because I actually don't know a lot about it. The extent of my knowledge is by watching that show Atypical that was on Netflix which I loved. I loved the obsession with penguins. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And what I gathered from that is like, you know, they can be so 
oriented to detail and they just process the world a little bit different. And I think often people that aren't dealing with living with someone that's autistic is the environment is different for them. So they might approach a teaching opportunity or that circumstance from where they're at. But really, I would think with autism and neurodivergent community that they learn in a different way. So how do we do it from their perspective? What's a way we can show support to meet them where they're at? Yeah. So, you know, neurodivergent for me, it just means you're brain is just wired differently. Falls under the umbrella of autism, of ADHD, ADD, OCD, things like that. People that their brain just is just wired differently. They think differently. They process things differently than what you society considers to be normal, you know, and we're so conditioned to believe that. But in reality, they're here to teach us a lesson. Like, no, we're not all the same. We're different. Like you said, they're very different. They all are, are different. My son specifically, he's more on the high functioning level. So, but he's so articulate. If he's really into something, he will not miss one detail at all. (laughs) And I don't have that. I don't have that, that quality, you know, but he does. And I think, you know, when we see a child or when we know someone that has a child with autism or an adult, you know, sometimes we may say, oh, they're a little awkward, you know, and it's not that they're awkward. They, they're just a little different and just connection, connect with them because they're waiting for you to connect with them, you know, and we will learn from that. You know, sometimes they won't pick up on regular social cues that we're used to, but allowing them to just come in and, and make them feel welcome and just build that trust with them. It will be a lesson. And it'll be a beautiful experience because I've met so many children on the spectrum with ADHD and that it really taught me a lot. It taught me that they're all different, but they're all so unique and they're so beautiful. And I just love them so much for, you know, the the people that I know personally from my experience in the community that I I was able to to meet and build through my Instagram. There's so many of them. And I think they're here to, to really teach us a lesson. So I think the more we're open to it and not so much awareness, but acceptance too. Cause I think acceptance is more of an action. You know, you're actively out there, you know, getting to know them. Yeah. I know I said a lot there, but that's beautiful. You mentioned before, like a great way to show support is by connecting with them. And what are some ways, what does that look like for someone that is on the spectrum? So it it all depends because they're also differently. If, you know, you have a child who's at school who may have a friend or knows of of friends that are on the spectrum diagnosed, just invite the talk to them, ask what what their interests are. For example, my son is basketball. He's obsessed with basketball. Or like you mentioned, the show, The Penguin, you know, and he had friends that are neurotypicals, but they still accepted him. Like they're still... (laughs) accepted who he is and just kind of embraced him like okay just went along with it you know and there's also I think also educating the people around you educating your children because your child will probably have other people that are diagnosed in some level at school also I I think that we're now at a point where people are much more open about it because I know adults that have ADHD they're autistic and they never wanted to say anything at work because they were embarrassed, you know, but I think it's becoming more noticeable. So also just, just really connect, educate, and just spread the word, honestly, because once you do that, it will naturally just flow and you'll just, they'll just come up. (laughs) For sure. And just normalizing the struggle, like whether you're typical or atypical, there's so many struggles that we each individually have that we're going to come up against in our journeys. And I think it's so beautiful what you said, just acceptance, I hear a lot and connection. And no matter our age or background or what we have in our life, I think that is a fundamental thread that we each weave amid each other. And it's so beautiful when we actually do surrender to that without judgment, suspending our judgment, especially I find is something that can come up around it individually. If you're a parent of someone that is atypical or just someone that doesn't know what to do with it. And yet it's like, 
it's really just a space, like a kink you're working at within yourself so that you can create space to learn more and to bridge those gaps of connection, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. Normalizing the, the struggles and also normalizing that there's no one size fits all. Like we're all different. We all learn differently. We all process the world differently, especially through neurodivergent individuals. You know, they they fascinate me, honestly. So just normalizing that. For sure. So I know that you and I have crossed paths amid our journeys of looking for coaching containers. And yeah. uh, I think it was so great because I discovered that you had taken Journey, which is now known as Lumia. Mm-hmm. And I actually didn't go with Lumia, but I think they're fantastic. And I I love that a lot of what you said was there's a community of support that's like second to yes. none, even when you're done with the program. And I'm just wondering as a coach, a parent coach, what challenges have you come up with? Because I feel like if you're dealing with anything that is a vulnerable circumstance in anybody's life, there's going to be triggers on both ends and just learning how to energetically put up boundaries around ourselves and our clients and just what challenges have you come up with in that arena and how do you deal with it? Yeah, that's actually a great question. Thank you for asking that because... So when it comes to autism and neurodivergent individuals, you have to be very careful. I've noticed the labels behind that. You know, a lot of people don't like to be called high functioning or low functioning, which I understand the reason why. Some people don't like to say I have autism. They like to say I I am autistic. You know, so that's one thing I've learned. It's the right way how to approach it because it can be a sensitive subject. We're still such in a fragile state to accept neurodiversity that I am very careful how I use my words <laughs> mm. because I mean, well, you know, I honestly do this from love. I am learning as I go. Everyone, again, their journey is so different. Also, you know, one thing that I wouldn't say is a challenge, but I keep in mind is that we're in the same boat. We share the same emotions. We all get mad. We all get hurt. We all get angry, but we just have different journeys. Mm-hmm. Just different paths, whether it's the same emotions we experience together. So keeping that in my head, being compassionate with those emotions and also learning about their journey and just being very careful how I use my words and accepting where they are. Yeah. With, you know, so that's definitely key. And yeah, I, I, and just being compassion, compassion really goes a long way. You know, Unfortunately, there is a crowd of people that believe that coaches now is just like a trend, you know, it is like salesy, but then you have a group of us, for example, we do it out of love because we feel like the universe sent us here to help others, you know, and give them the tools that they need to have a more thriving, successful, happy life. And during that coaching journey, when I learned, I was able to use those tools in my own life with my friends and family. And now I'm here trying to serve it for others and offer it to them. And I think once you're authentic and vulnerable, which I've been so vulnerable on my page, I even spoke about my depression and just things in my life. I think that really resonate with others. You know, it, it makes you just be human with them, you know, meet them at their level. That's so beautiful. The piece you speak, everything you said is beautiful, but that vulnerability piece and you know, I've, I can relate where I've heard certain things around coaching, just being a trend and healing's not a linear path. And so, especially circling back to what you said about, we both have emotions, but our journeys might be different. And the way we process that is going to be different. And so just bringing that element of authenticity and vulnerability and remaining curious about the other person, you know, there's no need for judgment around it. And One thing I love so much about the coaching arena and as we grow our legs in this field, there's always that beginner's mind. No two cases are going to be the same. No two clients are going to be the same. And it's just so refreshing and humbling to be on the other end of a conversation where someone wants to work with you for whatever reason that it's resonated and being able to you as the coach to look back at your own personal life experience and transcend that in a way where you truly feel like you can be of service to others and you genuinely want to from a space of your heart. And that's one thing I love about coaching is that it really is a space where you can actually integrate the catalog of life's experience and help 
old versions of yourself or better yet challenges that you've come across in all the years of your life and then help others who are going to come across challenges that are similar to that and offer tools and just, yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful space to be in and really to the degree that you're able to meet yourself. So you express your depression, you express your vulnerability is the degree you'll be able to help somebody else. And I think by creating that space within yourself, you'll be able to safely do it for others too. So I think it's so beautiful that you're in that coach community and you're in the seat of vulnerability where you're speaking the language of your soul. Like that really touches so many people on so many levels. Well, the way you articulated that was just so beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) That was was really, that was beautiful. Thank you. I, that was touched by your words. (laughs) I'm so glad. I mean it though. Like, I think it's such a, a misunderstood field sometimes. And I think it's so important to note that no matter what modality of being of service to others you're in, that the intention is so important. What is your why? Why do we show up? You know, and I think too, it's so easy to be defeated and look at life's challenges and feel like, why is this happening to me? Well, what if maybe your passion was the thing that was guiding you all along before you even knew it existed? And so yes. what if it was happening for you? You know, yeah. like we don't know. This is like, this is ancient wisdom before we came here. And those are the little nudges that even like the power of our children and them being so vulnerable and wholly themselves and just noticing what lights them up. And it's probably like as adults, we forget, right? And then we come back to the space we where we get curious about our journey and then it becomes this exploration. I love everything you just said. It's Yeah, it's so, so true. I resonate so much with that. And like you said, it's those little whispers we get through our challenges and we follow those like whispers in those little voices and those struggles and we follow that path and then I think that's where we kind of see what our calling is Mm -hmm. and once I I did that I I changed careers I'm here now and I'm just flowing I'm flowing with it and it feels so real and authentic to be honest so thank you for for sharing that because some struggles some experiences will lead you to where you belong I'm so curious what you were doing before you were doing this. Finance. Oh, it's so different. I was in the corporate world in finance, which was so draining. So draining. You know, whoever does it, and a lot of people love it. That's what they do, you know. But I was just there. I was just working. It felt so robotic. And I felt like I was just doing something because I was good at it, you know. It's, yeah. It's the, the thing to do. You you go to college, you get a job and that job's supposed to do all these things for you. And then, boom. but then are you happy? You know, and I'm, I took that leap and it was a big leap of faith. (laughs) And I'm really happy I did it because I am so much more happier. I'm, I feel a lot more just in a soulful place that I am meant Mm -hmm. to do. I know I am where I need to be right now. I truly believe that. And I started in, in a low level with the title. And now in a couple of weeks, I start as a director, as my nine to five, you know, and, and I'm also doing the, the parent coaching business. But so... Oh, so you're still in finance. I am not in finance. as working with kids through behavioral therapy one-on-one. And I kind of took that experience. And now recently, I, am once, I just got an offer for to be a director of school-age programs for children. Nice. So to think back that I that I started like very low in in my career to in my new career to now you know being a director and be, being able to implement different things for for children in their program and still be able to impact the community feels amazing along with being a parent coach, <laughs> which is so important. But one thing I wanted to say about everything you just said is I notice when you step into a role that feels guided. <clears throat> Even when you're tired, there's a nuance, like you actually feel fulfilled. You don't feel like you've burnt out and that you've leaked all your energy. The energy that you source out to do the thing you love actually goes back and gets put back in your body in such a nourishing way that it gives you different embodied feeling at the end of the day. And that's such a beautiful thing to carry in, even in the new role that you have and just to bring to your practice. Like that's amazing. 
Absolutely. And I'm glad you made that point because again, we're conditioned to think that success ties with money. Mm -hmm. You know, if you make X amount of money, you're successful and you have a title, you know, you're successful, but are you, is your soul happy? Like, are you internally at peace? Like you said, are you nourished? Is, is, what are, how are you feeling? You know, I think that's important. Yeah. And I honestly let go of that thought. And once I did that, I am happier, to be honest. And I think once you, you're in that level, things just flow naturally in your life. Mm -hmm. Everything else, the relationship with everything else, you know, with your home, with finances and everything else just will flow naturally, honestly. So I'm glad you did that because you can be tired, but if you're happy at what you do, it's a different type of tired. You're not energetically drained. You're just tired. You need some rest but you're still happy. <laughs> yeah. And I love what you said too, that everything else flows because it's, it's almost as if, if your body or your life was a channel for life to flow through and you're actually doing something that feels fulfilling in spite of feeling that level of tired, it's like you open up other pathways to connect because you're now connecting with yourself. You're honoring your values. You're actually doing something that feels in alignment with what feels important to you? What feels intentional in your heart? What is the thing that gives you life force? And not only are you being of service to yourself, but as an aspect of that, you end up being of service to the people you love too, in a whole more present way. And it's just like you said too, it's not about being happy because you're making, you're at this title or you're like at a certain level of fulfilling a system that, you know, we thought, happiness looks like, but what is happiness to you? So that's such an important thing, I think. And everybody, every individual, even our own children know that best. Like we are the greatest conduit and the greatest guide on our own journey. Like even as a coach, as your coach and being in, now I'm getting my certification. I actually went with Dharma Coaching Institute, but it's something they fundamentally stress is that you are your greatest guide. Like there's no amount of money you could pay someone to tell you what you already know. But it, as a coach, it's so beautiful to be able to mirror back to them and be alongside someone's journey and have that ability to draw out in them what they innately know. And that's what's so beautiful about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything you said, it's spot on. <laughs> I agree 100%. <laughs> I'd love to know your experience with boundaries and just what comes up for you and your coaching experience and just as a mama. And have you ever been up against a situation where you hear that voice in your head and you're like, you could feel in your body that there's a reaction coming up. How do you enforce boundaries as a mother, as a coach, as a friend? Yeah. Even? What's your experience with that? Because that's something that I struggle with. and. It's always a practice, but I'd love to hear your take on what your experience has been with it. You know, um, I'm still practicing with boundaries, to be honest. And because I am a, a person that I'm so empathetic that I just want to be there for other people, but I can't always be there for others if my cup is empty. So you have to know when your cup is running out because <laughs> it is boundary for yourself, even. And I think that helps me as a parent. I think modeling that self-care that I said, modeling that for them and being honest with them with your emotions. Because for example, my daughter knows when I need space. And even when she she's mad, she's like, I need my space. And she's been doing that since four and five because I, I taught her that. So she's learning her boundaries as well. I'm still owning my boundaries. And as far as coaching, I am very upfront about it from the very beginning. You know, I add that in my contract, like, you know, this is the amount of time you'll get from me. And because if I'm not upfront about it, I will, I won't build that boundary. That's one thing. And so for coaching, I think I'm good. I'm just really like upfront about it from the very beginning. But with friends and family, I'm still learning that part. <laughs> because like you said, you feel so safe with the ones you love and they feel safe with you that it's hard to put that boundary like, no. And no is a complete sentence, but it's yeah, hard to that. say that, you know, it's hard to say that, but to be honest, we all make our decisions based on what we need for ourselves. So I have friends, close friends of mine that some of them, not all of them 
where if they need something from me or I need something from them, we actually ask each other first, are you in a place right now where you can hold space for me? We actually ask that question before we vent. And, you know, if no, then that's okay. I respect it. If yes, then you're going to hear me vent. (laughs) And I have some friends like that. We do that for each other. And it feels really good because one, we're honoring your space. I'm also being respectful and I'm being mindful of myself and you. And that's a boundary. You know, sometimes we just want to vent, but what if that person's not in that right Mm -hmm. head or heart space to do that? So I'm still learning that because boundaries is still tricky. You know, it really is. It's one of those, especially if you are a natural giver and you just want to help everyone. If it, w- if it was up to me, I would hug the world if I can, honestly. <laughs> but I also have to protect my energy and my my cup, you know, because if, if you keep filling that cup with things, something's as small that's so seamless, you may just burst out. But that's because you probably weren't holding your boundaries throughout the day or yeah. throughout the week, you know, and your husband or or sister or child, they may do something so small and you're like, ah, you know, <laughs> and that's what happens. <laughs> For sure. I love what you said about no being a complete sentence. That's something I've integrated this year is like saying no more often. And Mm-hmm. Also, that piece you spoke to about asking permission, I think that's such a beautiful thing to honor for yeah. anybody like in coaching and friendships, like, wow, giving someone that space to show up if they feel wholeheartedly like they can, and then just not being personally offended if they can't, because you've gone into that asking for permission, which is so beautiful. One thing I've learned about boundaries too, is that two truths can exist. Like, You could say no and still be a great friend. You could say no and be there for them in other ways, just not right now. But whatever that is, I find even though it's still a practice for me, that's such a great way to anchor into it. What is true for you? What is real for you? And is the story you're telling yourself actually true? But when you anchor into your heart, it's there's certainly a space that you could find where it feels resonant. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I think when I went through my coaching journey, when I was learning, I definitely learned a lot more about boundaries. I think that definitely helped me. I learned so much. Like I said, it it gave me the tools that I need for myself and yeah. I was able to give it to others. And I think asking permission to hold space and not get offended when someone's not able to hold space for you is key as well. We can't expect people to always be there when we need them to be because they're all their own person. At the end of the day, we are our own individuals. <laughs> and yeah. it's so easy to forget that as partners, right? With our spouses or <laughs> as close family members. But we have to build those emotional boundaries with our close ones. I think those are the hardest boundaries to build. Oh gosh, are they ever the hardest? <laughs> yeah. So funny because before we were saying like we do feel the most safe around the ones we love. And it's also, I think, the hardest to enforce those boundaries with the ones we love because we feel so safe. Yes. So it can get very muddy sometimes, you know? <laughs> yes, it's true. And that's why I think I always say it's inevitable for the person you love to hurt you in some level eventually because you love them. And you're so safe yeah. with them that they're going to see all your your layers of yourself, all of them. And some of them, they're not going to like. And eventually that can sting a little bit. That will hurt because we are humans. You know, it, without the human experience, you can't, you have to accept all emotions, all the negative ones, all the positive ones. Yes. <laughs> I love that you said that, you know, emotions are such a funny thing and everything is energy. And like, there's emotions that can feel really low frequency and there's emotions that can feel super high frequency and they're an emotion. It's just like, the weather that passes through and it's so easy to judge it, but all parts are necessary in the weather to nurture that environment and all parts are necessary in our emotions to nurture our inner experience, I think. And again, it comes back to that judgment piece and just suspending that and coming to a space of acceptance. And I think too, if we approach life with more of a, as a student and just being curious about what's happening Like one thing I learned from one of my mentors is she loves to say, isn't that interesting instead of being so reactionary. And it just creates a little space for you to, you know, pause in that reflection instead of being so reactive. And that's something that 
Yeah. It's, it's not easy to do sometimes. And like, we're not perfect. And that's what's so interesting about it is like, <laughs> we're all learning. We're all learning in different arenas through different vehicles of our life. And everything is an opportunity for that. So I've seen your content. I've seen the things you speak to. And it's it's so needed, not just for the atypical community, but for anybody really that struggles with challenges. So I think it's so wonderful that you're in this space. Thank you, Thank so, you so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad to have this conversation with you. Thank you. I wanted to know, I know you speak a lot to self-care and emotional wellness. So what are some of your favorite ways to integrate this into your life? Yes, I love to meditate. Mm -hmm. Even if it takes like 30 seconds, I like to meditate. I do shower meditation. I like to do that. I know that sounds silly, but as moms, like when is really the time that you get a break (laughs) when you're in the shower? (laughs) So there's a thing called shower meditation. I actually like to do that. I like to free write. I don't really like to use the word journal. I feel like journal sounds so heavy and intimidating. Like you have to journal, you know, I like to say free writes. I just free write and really just something as small as drinking a coffee by myself or just being by myself, you know, and just taking a deep breath. I love doing breath work for myself. Also, when I do write, I like to tap in with myself. And the way to do that is what's my emotion right now? And what's my physical? How do I feel physically? Because you you can feel happy and still be physically tired. So it's happening with yourself. Those two different ways allows you to be present. And it opens the door to understand why you feel the way you do. And then what do you need to help yourself to feel better? And just the little things that you know that you like. But I would say t- meditation and journaling for me is huge. I'm also a big I'm spiritual. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I like to practice a lot of, I pull my own cards intuitively when I'm in the moment. I like to sage and just say affirmations to myself, you know, and really join into different groups for, you know, of of healers. Sometimes there's like Zoom calls that I I like to join in. It's an hour long, but it, it really allows you to be present. And there's a saying that goes like healers need healers, therapists need therapists. And Coaches need coaches. So I have people in my life that they really allow me to to feel better. You know, I have my personal trainer when I work out. She's like me. She's spiritual. She's them. So I can work physically work out. (laughs) And also she hears me out. And then I have my therapist. I also have my close friends that are amazing. And they're able to hold space for me. All those little things is self-care. And I also lately I've been using... (laughs) Well, I mean, I've been taking salsa classes and love week it because I'm lately I'm in this journey with my body and I'm learning that it's not how our body looks, but what our bodies can do, mm-hmm. you know, embrace, be grateful that your body can move, you can dance, you can work out, you get up in the morning. And I think that's been helping me a lot because our, our bodies do store energy as well as our emotions. It oh, remembers wow. energy. So I love that you said that about the body because my relationship to my body has changed significantly since becoming a mama and just even sitting in the miracle of like what it does for us when we hold a life inside, what it does for us when we're doing anything, like consuming anything that isn't good for it, like what it has to go through to process that. It's just so wild. And yet I think as women too, in today's society and all the conditioning we've seen through social media, through magazines and the message they send is there's this attainable standard of beauty when there's so much beauty in all that we are. Like I revere it. I I get blown away. And I think it's so beautiful. You're doing salsa dancing lessons because one thing I do say in the shower, which has become my personal space to process my emotions (laughs) is thank you for my limbs. Like the gift it is to just like get up and move your body and walk and take the stairs. And when you have that choice, not everybody has that, you know, and it's such a beautiful thing to appreciate. And I love too what you said about journaling, because that can feel heavy for me too. But the writing is such a great way. I call it brain dumping. Even if you have two minutes. Yeah, like just a two minute brain dump to just let out what we tend to suppress because like you said, it does go in the body. There's so much feeling in the body. And so I love all the practices you mentioned. I can relate to you. 
in the way of spirituality too, because there's so many beautiful practices that it embodies that honors the way we feel and not the way we look, you know? Yes. Yeah. Anchoring into like, what our body's feeling? What are we feeling in this human experience? What are we feeling in this challenge that we're having? And what is it trying to teach us versus like, oh my God, this looks so bad. I must be this, 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 and that. And like, let's just take away the labels and just honor it for what it's teaching us. What are we feeling? So I appreciate everything you said. I think it's such great takeaways and for someone that is a coach to integrate that and knowing that someone on the other side of being on the receiving end of your service, that's so great because those are all tools that you can also implement and help because there's so many different ways people learn and receive those types of lessons also. Yes, absolutely. And you know, and the reason why I've been focusing so much more on my body. So I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. I'm not sure if you know what that is, like about six years ago, maybe. And so fibromyalgia is a chronic illness that is just, it really ties in with your nervous system and it's just widespread pain Mm. all over your body and a lot, lots of fatigue. And so, you know, there's moments where I get really bad flare ups where I can't really move. I'm exhausted. My body's exhausted. I'm in pain, but reading a lot about it, it said that it's, it's a lot of it is your, your mental state and learning how to be proactive because your body just reacts in pain. It's like holding energy, you know, and that's fascinating. Yeah. And that's the way that I've been viewing it because of my spirituality. And that's why I've been doing more things with my body. Like the other day, you know, we had our pink moon. Mm. I meditated in front of my mirror. I moved in front of my mirror and I hugged myself. And that's something that I've been doing a lot, like by myself. And it feels so healing and empowering and beautiful because you're honoring yourself you're moving you're dancing it can can may look weird for someone else but it's not you're (laughs) it's it's such a healing experience and I've been doing that and a lot more and it's just so beautiful because like you said it's it's just viewing your body and forgetting what standards of beauty is you know and Mm -hmm. it can go even deep as like your womb healing right oh my god it's a whole other pod we're gonna chat off the air about that because I just got into the womb story and I'm like my mind and heart are blown I think I've shed so many tears over this because we carry so much (laughs) there's so much more to just yes there's so many stories and generations (laughs) of our story existed far before we even came anyway that's that's yeah. a whole nother conversation. It's a whole other podcast. So beautiful. But I've been and tapping into that. I'm glad that you've been tapping into that too. But yes, it's a whole nother podcast and it's a, but it's a beautiful journey. <laughs> it is beautiful. And I just want to mention before I get into my final question with you, what you were saying about the body and hugging yourself, it does seem weird because we don't do it. We should be doing it more often. And there's, there's actual scientific proof that when you, engage in even a 10 second hug there's so many like natural endorphins that get released throughout our body so why why don't we like mel robbins does the whole high five theory where you like high five yourself in the mirror and you essentially become your own cheerleader but like let's normalize that there's so much how can you support the ones you love if you're not willing to show up for yourself right yeah even if it is and just like hugging yourself i think it's great there's a reason why we feel so good when we do that you know I I love that you're honoring your body. I think that's such a beautiful example to set, especially for our younger generations that are teenagers and becoming younger women. And I just want to thank you so much from a fellow coach to a fellow coach. I think your work is so beautiful. I'd love to connect with you further and absolutely workshop with you. And I just wanted to know in light of this podcast, which is about going beyond our comfort zones and rising even amid the challenges that come up in our life, what advice do you have for our listeners that you've integrated into your own journey that you wish everyone could if they knew it? Oh, that's such a great question. I would say follow your intuition. I know that's Mm -hmm. such a you know, follow your gut. But when you really tap in with yourself and your intuition, it will take you to these beautiful places where life will just flow for you. 
and you will manifest things in people and connections into your life that you're going to be like, wow. Mm -hmm. And really believe it and trust it in yourself because that is part of your intuition is trust in yourself. If you have that feeling that just comes to you instantly, that download, that whatever you believe in, if it's God, universe, or whatever, that higher power, that download that you get, take that little download and just run with it and continue to do it. You're going to keep getting them and life will just flow with you because I've been doing that. And my life has completely changed the last three, four years ever since I changed careers, honestly. That's so beautiful. I can feel <laughs> love in that message. And intuition is, it's such a powerful tool we all have it's inside, right? And a lot of the time when we get out of the way, it sounds like us. It sounds like your own voice speaking to you. So I think that's a beautiful piece of advice. Thank you so much for sharing it. And I'd love to know where we can find you. How can people connect with you? How can they get your coaching services? Tell us all Absolutely. the things. Yes. So I have my Instagram at atypical underscore ladies. And I just launched my website this week. I'm so excited. And it's www.atypicalladies.com. And that has all my information on my website. And my email is info at atypicalladies.com. So you can find me there. And I'm more than happy to hear you out and just offer my offerings for coaching. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, Lauren, for being on the show. I'm so glad we finally got to connect. Yes. <laughs> Heart feels more full than before we had this conversation. And I just appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for giving me the space because I do love your work too. And we have like-minded minds, you know, as far as some beliefs, you know, so I'm um, thank you again. I'm grateful. And I'm glad we finally got to do this. It happened in divine timing. <laughs> divine timing is always on time. Yes. <laughs> okay. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and I will be connecting with you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I loved all the beautiful takeaways I was reminded of from my conversation with Lauren. Perhaps one that I love the most is to lean into life with more curiosity and authenticity, to connect more with others and hold space as an expression to understand more about them because through others, we can also learn about ourselves. Give Lauren a follow on Instagram and check out one of her workshops. Next time I speak with a soulful author, Ashmi Patella, we dive into all of life's playground and the human and spiritual experience. I can't wait. Thank you for joining me today. I love you. Thank you.